Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. The title of tonight's message is Cut to the Heart. Cut to the heart. Now think of times in your life that you've been cut to the heart. What has really penetrated your heart? I was thinking of some different things for me, but I want to give you a few seconds. Just think of maybe two or three things that really have cut to your heart. I think of a birth of a baby, new life. I think of a death of a loved one. I think of uh, maybe somebody getting married or engaged. Um, a person coming to know the Lord. Things that really penetrate, things that really rip open your heart. They do something to you. The book of Acts is the beginning of the church, the church age. 2,000 years later, we're still in the church age. Can you imagine? 2,000 years later, we're still in that church age. But the Holy Spirit that was poured out on Pentecost, which was 50 days after the Passover, that same Holy Spirit is in you and me as believers in Jesus Christ. If you're here tonight or if you're listening on the Internet and you haven't received Christ yet, the Holy Spirit's hand is on you watching this. It's only because of the Holy Spirit that you're tuning in. The Holy Spirit is God, the third person of the Blessed Trinity. It's interesting tonight at our staff meeting and some of the prayer that we had and some of the discussion led me to read these four scenarios to you. The first one is titled, All You Need Is Love. Andy attends a church that emphasizes the moral and ethical teachings of Jesus. He works very hard to follow the golden rule, trying his best to treat his friends at school just the way he would like to be treated. Since he attends church every week, he's pretty sure he's a Christian. Second scenario, all you need is spirituality. Seth and Molly sit next to each other in orchestra and sometimes talk about religion. They both seem to share the same values and get along well, even though one attends a Baptist church and the other is Jewish. That's great if it works for you, they often say to each other at the end of their spiritual conversations. Third scenario, all you need is some down-to-earth advice. Carla attends a youth group where the teaching is always practical. Each week, her youth pastor offers creative advice on topics like dating, college choice, and money management. Carla never seems to need her Bible at youth group. This bothers her mom, but Carla seems to be learning many life skills. Last one. All you need is an incentive. John loves his youth group. Every week he wins lots of prizes for memorizing verses. 
bringing friends to church and helping old ladies across the church parking lot. Last week, his youth leader promised free ice cream to everyone who got saved, tickets to a Hannah Montana concert, an iPhone. Now John is starting to question his own salvation. After all, John really likes ice cream. One of the things that's missing in those four scenarios, besides the gospel, is the moving of the Holy Spirit to direct people to Jesus Christ. And as we look in Acts chapter 2 tonight, what I'd like to do first is just go to, if you turn with me to 1. Hold on one second, guys. I'm sorry, Luke 24, verses 44 to 45. Luke 24, verses 44 to 45. Then Jesus said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Now you've been hearing lately, I think, up here from the pulpit, that a lot of churches want to do away with the Old Testament. They just want to stay in the new. But everything that we know in the New Testament is back in the Old Testament. Like if you didn't have the Old Testament, the 39 books, we wouldn't have much knowledge of what's going on in the New Testament. That's why God, in his infinite wisdom, chose... Genesis to Revelation. If he only wanted us to have half of the Bible, that's all we would have. So be aware of anybody who just eliminates one portion of the Scripture or one portion of the Old Testament or all the Old Testament or eliminates the new and just stays in the old. You're not getting the whole counsel of God's Word. Now, last time in Acts we saw that the Holy Spirit came upon the believers on Pentecost. There were hundreds, possibly thousands of people from all over the place, all over the world, that were coming to Jerusalem for the Feast of Pentecost. They heard the apostles speak in their own language, even though the apostles couldn't speak foreign languages. It was a movement of God's Holy Spirit. Some critics said, hey, they're just drunk. Well, Peter, in the first sermon of the New Testament, stood up. And we're going to look at some more of his sermon tonight. We looked at the beginning uh, sermon last time. And we're going to pick up in verse 25 tonight, where... Peter is continuing his sermon. So if you follow along with me in verse 25 of chapter 2. For David says concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. 
Therefore my heart rejoiced and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh also will rest in hope. For you will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of joy in your presence. Now, this was taken from Psalm 16, verses 8 to 11, that David wrote. Now, remember, David is hundreds of years before this has taken place. And one of the things I want to emphasize that Peter did not have the New Testament when he was quoting from the Old Testament. The Holy Spirit led Peter to say these things. And he had a knowledge of the Old Testament. Remember, he was just a fisherman. But in Luke chapter 24, verse 45, it says, Then Jesus opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Jesus wants to open up your minds more. He wants to open up your hearts more. Will you allow him to do that? It's got to be a willful choice on each individual's part. You see, if you're a believer here or listening, you have the Holy Spirit in you. But do you want more of the Holy Spirit? Do you want that Holy Spirit to come upon you? Are you willing to go full tilt to everything God wants to bring you through? Even to the point of dying for your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We see with the apostles, right, through their history... The transformation from men who were not learned in the scriptures to men who became very learned. They hung with Jesus for three years. He opened up their minds to the scriptures. What Bible studies those must have been, huh? Must have been awesome. Now, before we go into this particular portion we're hearing now, we're continuing with Peter's sermon. But remember last time there was a move of God's Holy Spirit, an evident move in, this, in the beginning of the new church. We have that same move of God's Holy Spirit for the past 2,000 years. Last time we looked at Joel chapter 2, verses 28 to 32, where Peter was talking about how the Spirit was going to be poured out in the church right up until the end, until the end times, when Jesus came back at his second coming. We saw in last time that God approved this Jesus by Jesus' miracles and signs and wonders. And the people who were hanging with him or saw him or were healed by him were touched by his love and his compassion. They never saw anybody like that. You and I have never saw anybody like Jesus. Have we? Has anybody ever touched our heart like Jesus? But is there something that Jesus still wants to do in your heart and my heart to cut more? The Bible says that we have hearts of stone, but he's given us 
hearts of flesh. I'm sure, like me, your heart's been chiseled. It's been pounded. You've been cut. And maybe you're still going through things that are still cutting you, cutting you to the heart. But understand, we're like that clay. He's the potter. He's molding us more and more into his image. And he knows what it takes to get us where he wants us to be. And we trust him for that. Now, hundreds of people, possibly thousands, were experiencing everything that we're looking at here tonight. They heard Peter. But understand, too, they were some of the people that might have been yelling, crucify him, crucify him. Just 50 days earlier, things were fresh here in Jerusalem. This was not old news. This was fresh news. Something was going on. People that were grieving were now amazed because they had seen the resurrected Jesus. People that were critics or haters, some of them were converted, some were confused. Some were still trying to deny what even they saw. God says he has put his words in our heart. He has put in his law in our hearts. We know, but are we listening to what the Holy Spirit is trying to show us? And then finally, the last time we looked at the uh, determined purpose and the foreknowledge of God. None of this was a surprise to God. What you're going through, what I might be going through, what's coming down the road in a week or a year or a month, whatever, God knows it's part of his plan. It's part of his purpose. It's his foreknowledge. We know what's revealed to us in God's word about the future, but we don't know everything that's happened. We don't know what's going to happen later tonight, tomorrow in our own lives. Right? We don't know what the future holds, but we know who holds the future. We want to get to know better the future holder. We want to fall deeper and deeper in love with God. So now as we look at 25 and David is, is saying these verses, I foresaw the Lord always before my face. For he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. My heart rejoices and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh also will rest in hope. For you will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of joy in your presence. Now, was he speaking of himself? Was David speaking of himself? No. Because as we jump down to verse 29, Peter goes on to say, Men and brethren, let me speak freely to you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his tomb is with us this day. And he might have been standing in a place where he could have just said, Hey, you guys know this is not about David. David's buried right there. He could have pointed in the direction of where David was buried. 
You guys know that David's buried. His tomb is with us this day. We're not speaking about David. Verse 30. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his body, according to the flesh, he would raise up the Christ to sit on his throne. So we're getting some insight. Did you know David was a prophet? Tells us right here in this verse. And also that God revealed to him through his spirit that there would be one that would come from in his line that would sit on the throne to the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah. So David wrote this back in Psalm 16, verses 8 to 11. And here Peter is quoting it as he's talking to these hundreds of people. After the same Peter, who just 50 days ago was denying Christ. Now he's up there with a move of God's spirit upon him to tell the people what was going on for those who wanted to hear and those who were seeking and those who were willing to listen. And as we go on in 31, he foreseeing this spoke concerning the resurrection of the Christ that his soul was not left in Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God has raised up, of which we are all witnesses. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this, which you now see and hear. Do you see what's going on here, everybody? He's, he's bringing them, these people who were eyewitnesses, or at least were living in this time. Peter is telling them that, hey, this is the time that was spoken of by the prophets in the Old Testament. Our books, it's right here. I'm showing you what's going on. And we're not speaking about David, who's buried right over there. We're speaking about Jesus who 50 days ago was the Passover lamb hanging on the cross. We're speaking about Jesus who walked around here, that some of you that are out here right now were on the Mount of Olives and we saw him ascend into heaven. You were witnesses of this. You saw it. This is the very Christ, the Messiah, that was talked about in the scriptures. And this Jesus, in verse 33, exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit. Remember, Jesus said, I have to go to the Father. I must go so I can send you my Holy Spirit. And isn't it cool that in the, just those few verses, you see the Father, you see the Son, and you see the Holy Spirit. You see the Trinity right there. It doesn't say Trinity, but there it is again. Another place that you see the Godhead, the triune God. And Peter is explaining here in that end of verse 33, he poured out, God poured out this which you now see and hear. Guys, girls, you're seeing what Jesus Christ is doing by giving us his Holy Spirit. Today, on the 24th of February, guys, girls, 
The Holy Spirit is doing a work in your heart, in our hearts collectively as a body of Christ here in Janesburg. But he's doing it all over the world to all our brothers and sisters that we haven't even met yet. That same Holy Spirit is still at work. We know that Jesus took our punishment when he went to the cross. He took our sins. He bore our sins, all of them, on the cross. All of them. He bore all the guilt that sin brings into our individual lives. He took it all. Those sins you will commit a a week from now, he paid for those. They're already forgiven before you commit them. But what does sin do? It breaks our relationship with God. So we have to ask him for forgiveness so we can restore that tightness, that friendship, that relationship, that sonship, that daughterness, daughtership with him. And then in verse 34, for David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself, but he says himself, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. The Lord, Yahweh, the covenant God, said to David's Lord, the Messiah, the Christ, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. We see the Father speaking to the Son. This has not happened yet where the footstool is under Jesus' feet. This will come at the second coming of Christ. But isn't it interesting how the Spirit of God moved on David in the Old Testament that would give him insight to something that's still future? Just the way the Holy Spirit opens up God's Word to you in in 2021. The same Holy Spirit is revealing things to you and to me, just like he did to David. Verse 36, therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, think of, I think of Stephen in the Gospels, where it was pretty similar to this. That that Jesus that you crucified. And they went right at it. Stephen just told the truth. And he was stoned for it. He was martyred. Now here Peter, in verse 36, is saying that God has made this Jesus, the one that you know, the one that died and rose from the dead 50 days ago, both Lord and Christ. He's the anointed one. He's the Messiah that your Old Testament books talk about. You crucified him. Now, people might say, well, see, the Jews did crucify him 
Or some people might say, ah, the Romans, they were the ones who did it. Well, both can be true. But I'm looking at a lot of people right now who crucified Christ. If I look in the mirror, here's another guy right here who crucified Christ. He went to the cross willfully for the Jews, for the Romans, for you, and for me. He died because he loved us so much, so much, that he went to that cross, shed his blood, became a man, lived 33 years on this earth for you and for me. If you don't feel loved, just think about what Jesus has done for you and for me, right? Just think about that. If you're having a bad day, think about what Jesus has done. Verse 37. So now we're going to see their reaction. Now the reaction with Stephen is that they stoned him. They killed him. Verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Wow. See, that is a move of the Spirit of God. You know, as pastors or you as evangelists or ministers, whatever God is calling you to do, you know, you're going out on an ordinary day and hoping that you're a reflection of Christ. Maybe you'll come across someone who asks some uh, godly questions and maybe you even lead them to the Lord. And isn't that awesome? That's tremendous. But when there's a move of God's spirit, sinners come to you asking questions. Sinners come to a church where they heard maybe God's word is being preached and they want to know more because so many churches are going so opposite the gospel of God. They don't even preach the gospel. It's a social club. It's like what I read to you before. What are the brownie points we can do to get people in the pews? How can we get youth into our classes? We'll give out prizes. We'll give out tickets. Oh, that's good if you believe that. You know, it's, you know whatever you believe. No, it's not. It's not. Hell is full of people who just believe whatever they wanted to believe without ever checking it out. Yet God has put us on this earth for whatever amount of years you've been here for one reason, to get to know him, to accept him, and to make him known to others. That's it. To love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love others the way he's loved you. That's it. There's nothing else. In eternity, nothing else matters, does it? That's the bottom line right there. So we see that these men and women probably teenagers and maybe some even young kids, they wanted to know, what do we do? They were cut to the heart. You see, unless there's a move of God's Holy Spirit to cut to the heart of a person, they're not going to receive Christ. It takes a move of God in their hearts. Your prayers for people, your intercessory prayers, chisel away that hard heart chisel away that hard heart. And you might say, like I've said before, well, how long is it going to take? This person's not getting any younger. 
or this person is messing around with things that they might not be here tomorrow. Lord, you need to save them now. But then you think of Simeon and you think of Anna in the temple. How long they waited to see the salvation of Israel. They went to the temple all the time. They went to church all the time, waiting for the move of God's spirit. We don't want to miss anything, do we, that God has for us individually or collectively as a church? I want to be where the spirit of God is moving because I don't want to miss it. I could have went to Jeter's game. I could have went to Derek Jeter's game where he got his, I think he went five for five and he got his 3,000th hit. But I didn't go. I missed it. But I'll tell you, I don't want to miss one thing that the Holy Spirit has for me or for you. I want to be there. I don't want to miss it. Do you? Do you? Do you want to miss it? So Peter said in verse 38... To their question, men and brethren, what shall we do? Peter said, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises to you and to your children and to all who are far off as many as the Lord our God will call. So we try to cut to the heart. One of the things I want to ask you as we continue here is how much of your heart does God have? Is your whole heart in his hands? Part of your heart. I was going to do a dissection of the heart and show you the four chambers with all the arrows going in and out which way the blood flows. And I was thinking of even that visual. How much of those chambers are filled with love of God? Is it just a couple of them? Is it just one of them? Is is there a portion? Object lessons help me. I can see that. I can see, am I partially, my heart is in the Lord's hands or all of it? Don't you want all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength to just be with the Lord? Don't you? Or are you still trying to fight this battle on your own? Are you still trying to do it in your own strength? Might as well just keep running into that wall and hope that a door is there. You're just banging your head against the wall. Get headaches that way. Get frustration that way. Get tired. You don't see things straight. You see too many things. You see too many stars. So Peter says, in answer to what shall we do? Well, he says to repent. Change direction. Change the direction of your life. You were doing your own thing. Now do God's thing. It says be baptized. Now in this, if you look at this in verse 
36, it says, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And people can say, well, you know, do I have to be baptized in order for my sins to be forgiven? No. This simply means because of the forgiveness of sins that comes as a result of you changing direction and putting your trust in Christ, you now can be a public display. Go get baptized. Show everybody that you died to yourself, you died to the flesh, and you are now a new creature in Christ. And think of Scripture. One of the things Peter did, he always referred to Scripture to prove a point. Well, let's think of a couple examples. Paul, on his way to Damascus, when the Lord appeared to him, received Christ on that road to Damascus. It wasn't for about three days later that he was baptized. And the one we always like, the one I always like, is the thief on the cross. He didn't have time to get baptized. He just trusted in Jesus Christ. In obedience, we can go and be baptized. And Pastor Joe has said it before. I know Pastor Paul and I have both said it. When you're infants, you don't have a free will. Your mom and dad do, and they're baptizing you. But when it comes to you to make that decision to receive Jesus into your heart or to be baptized, I know I struggled with it for a while coming out of Roman Catholicism. And finally, as I read the scriptures, I came to that verse where Jesus was baptized before he began his ministry. And all I said to myself, it was good enough for Jesus. It's good enough for me. And that's how it was settled in my heart. God wants to reveal to you through his word what he wants you to do. And notice how beautiful this is in verse 39. For the promises to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Uh, Just go to your right to 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 to 4. Now, you see in the Psalms, you see in um, Joel, the prophecies, you see the uh, Psalm 22 talks about the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, hundreds of years before crucifixion was ever a form of capital punishment. You see in the Old Testament the crucifixion. You see the resurrection of Jesus. We just saw it as we looked into David. You know, he's not going to let his Holy One see corruption. He was speaking of the Christ, the Messiah, as we looked at. Wasn't speaking of himself because there's his grave over there. There's David's grave. He was speaking of the Messiah, Jesus. Remember, it was fresh. Fifty days ago, you saw him. And a few days after that, you saw him because he was walking around for 40 days. In 1 Corinthians 15, it says, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you, which also you received and in which you stand, by which you also are saved. If you hold fast that word which I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. For I deliver to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. There it is, according to the scriptures. Now imagine if you take away the Old Testament like some churches want to do. 
The New Testament is referring to those scriptures in the Old Testament. It completes things. It makes it whole. Can you imagine if the Lord tarry, and I hopefully, hopefully he won't, but 100 years from now, if they just had the New Testament, people would be saying, well, what scriptures are they talking about? Where are those scriptures? But God knew that we needed 66 books. He knew that in those 66 books was life. Okay, let's go to verse 40. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation or crooked generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. Well, we live right in a crooked, perverse generation today, right? I think we all know that. It seems to be getting worse. Being parents, being teachers, think of what these young kids today are going through, K through 12, what they're being exposed to. All the things, a lot of things that the gospel, the Bible condemns. And they're not going to church, a lot of them. They're not being exposed to God's word. And that last verse I read, verse 41. And that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. They were cut to the heart. They responded to what God was showing them. What is God showing you lately? What is he showing you tonight? Are you going to respond? They responded by turning from their direction and being baptized. 3,000 of them. Now, that was a move of God's Holy Spirit. When you hear the number 3,000, I think going all the way back to where Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the Ten Commandments. And he had been up there a long time, so long that the people below were saying, where's Moses? Aaron, you got to lead us. Aaron, you got to do something. Let's, let's uh, form a God. And they took all their gold and jewelry. They threw it in the fire. And Aaron, in his lame excuse to Moses, was, yeah, we just threw the gold in and now popped his calf. And they worshipped it. But as Moses was coming down, he saw they were having an orgy. Sexual immorality down in the camp. And as a result of that disobedience, 3,000 people died that day. Why? Because they broke the law. The law brings death. The law does not show mercy. Moses, who represented the law, died in the desert. He never went into the promised land. Joshua, Jehovah is salvation, his name means. Joshua, another name for Jesus, led the children of those Old Testament Israelites who died in the desert into the promised land. Well, look what's happening right here in this verse. 3,000 souls were added to them. Why? 
because the Spirit was poured out. The Spirit brings life. The law brings death. God brings everything together, no matter where you look, through Genesis to Revelation, he shows that. Even in the Old Testament, you had the tent of meeting that eventually became the temple. You had the Ark of the Covenant where the mercy seat, the blood was poured on the mercy seat for the forgiveness of sins. But you also had the law. But isn't it like our God? He shows you the law is perfect. Here's how it should be. But we can't keep it. And out of his grace, that song that we sang, the grace he pours out on us, his grace leads us to the cross. And the cross takes our sin and our guilt because we broke the law. But here is a move of God's Holy Spirit. We're free from sin and death now as the church of God, the body of Christ, because we put our trust in what Jesus did for us at the cross and through his resurrection. And then what, as a result of all this, there's more that takes place. And we see this in verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. So they got together. They had Bible studies. They met and had Bible studies, just like we're doing. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. God, through his Spirit, was doing miraculous signs and wonders through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. And I was just thinking of the ministry. Since I've been um, with Calvary Chapel Crossfields, the, there's never been a family, there's never been individuals who have not been helped by the church if they're in need. Right? You have the Food for the Soul ministry. You have the Outreaches to Trend. You get people who are having econ- uh, financial problems. If We help them. We help them get back on their feet. And I was just thinking of our church reading these verses that I just read. Verse 46. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple. I don't know if that was like a Honda Accord. And they drove like it was a drive-in temple. I doubt it. I don't think that was happening. I think that's a misinterpretation of this. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They had fellowship. They had people over their house. They shared. They were hospitable with each other. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. It was no, it was a no-brainer. They just had Bible studies. They broke bread. They had meals together. They loved the Lord. It was very, very simple. And notice what God did here. And I'm sorry, they also praised God. They had worship time. And they had favor with all the people. And notice the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. God does the work as we keep things simple. Just worshiping him, just meeting together, just getting into his word. Tonight, if you're here 
and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or you're watching on the internet, you know, it's real simple. God did all the work. We don't have to do anything but just an act of our will to receive him as our Savior and Lord. And you might be saying, well, I'm a pretty good guy. or I'm a pretty good girl. I haven't really done anything wrong. Well, if you look at the Ten Commandments or even if you look at the Beatitudes, you can't keep them. They show you your need for a Savior. If you've lied once, if you had one wrong thought, if you had an unrighteous anger, if you stole a penny, you fall short of God's perfect standards. But there's great news. Jesus Christ went to the cross to die for your sins and mine. And all you have to do is say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I need you to come into my life. I want to change direction like we read tonight and follow you. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfield. We're located at 15 Half Acre Road in Jamesburg, New Jersey. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening and may God bless you.